0: Hello. If there's anyone listening, let's all take a deep breath. (sighs) Nothing really matters. I'm going to put the phone, I'm, I'm sitting on the other end of my couch, which has like a chaise lounge. On it, so I can sit in a different direction and be comfortable. And I'm gonna put the phone on the arm of the couch, and I'm gonna try and do this consistently from now on, and hopefully that will regula- regulate regulate um, the sound of my voice a little. I've been editing this podcast in like um, a free audio editing app and then not really listening back to it. Um so maybe that's not even a problem or maybe it's even more of a problem. I don't know. I don't know too much about audio editing. I should really just like look it up. But I don't really plan to do a lot of it since this is pretty lo-fi. Um all that to say I'm just gonna keep the phone right here and then hopefully My voice will be of equal volume throughout the podcast, or more or less equal volume. Um, and I just realized that I can't do that because I'm going to be looking things up on Wikipedia on my phone. So my phone is going to have to be closer to my face. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, that, um, that idea didn't make any sense, I guess. I'm feeling a little bit tired tonight, so my brain isn't working super well. I keep yawning. Uh, but let's go to the analytics here and uh see what other countries i know there's a country that has um it's gone up in downloads past a country i've already done so um it's not in the same order anymore so india it was india okay so i've got canada united states i haven't done either of those because well, first- first it was because I- well, Canada is just where I live, so I guess I- guess why I didn't do that, but I will. Um, <sighs> we'll do it eventually. Um, the United States I didn't do because I assumed that all the downloads from there were from my friend Becca. Um, but when I looked closer at the, um, I guess- whatever they call it, geolocation performance. Um, it appeared that it was from a different part of the United States than where she lives, so who knows. Um, so I'll do the United States at some point. But let's do India. Um... India is quite a big country, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be mistaken because I am often mistaken about those things. India. Mm-hmm. Officially, the Republic of India is a country in South Asia. It is the second most populous country, the seventh largest country by land area, and the most populous democracy in the world. But I thought that I read about another country that was the seventh-largest country. Maybe that's the seventh-largest country in Europe, which is an entirely different story. Um, Bounded by the Indian Ocean on the south, the Arabian Sea on the southwest, and the Bay of Bengal on the southeast. It shares land borders with Pakistan to the west, China, Nepal, and Bhutan to the north, and Bangladesh and Myanmar to the east. In the Indian Ocean, India is in the vicinity of Sri Lanka and the, Mald- and the Maldives. Its Andaman and Nicobar Islands share a maritime border with Thailand, Myanmar, and Indonesia. My One of my two favorite professors in university was from India. Um, he taught me many philosophy courses, including um, ones on Indian philosophy, which I kind of became obsessed with for a while, and I'm still not not obsessed with. Um, but I won't um, delve into that here because I will I will just go on and on until I don't make any sense anymore, because um, I'm not really the best at articulating. Um, those things, but I'm very excited. I get very excited about Indian philosophy. Um, etymology. Um, sometimes the etymology is interesting and sometimes it's just complicated. Geography. India accounts for the bulk of the Indian subcontinent lying atop the Indian tectonic plate, a part of the Indo-Australian plate. India's defining geological processes began 75 million years ago when the Indian plate, then part of the southern supercontinent Gondwana, began a northeastern drift caused by seafloor spreading to its southwest and later south and southeast. Simultaneously, the vast Tethian oceanic crust to the northeast began to subduct under the Eurasian Plate. These dual processes, driven by convection uh, in the Earth's mantle, both created the Indian Ocean and caused the Indian continental crust eventually um eventually I lost my place eventually under thrust Eurasia and to uplift the Himalayas immediately south of the emerging Himalayas plate movement created a vast trough that rapidly filled with river sediment and now constitutes the Indo-gang um Ganga, oh, I have. No, that looks like a word I should be able to pronounce. Indo-Gangetic plain, Indo-Gangetic plain, cut off from the plain by the ancient Aravalli range, lies the Thar Desert. The original Indian plain survives as peninsular, 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 India. The oldest and geographically geologically most stable part of india it extends as far north as the Satpura and Vin, uh, v- vinda ranges in sen- central india these parallel chains run from the arabian sea coast in gujarat in the west to coal rich chota nagpur plateau in Jharkhand. Uh, Jharkhand, in the east. To the south, the remaining peninsular landmass, the Deccan Plateau, is flanked on the west and east by coastal ranges known as the western and eastern Ghats. The plateau contains the country's oldest rock formations, some over one billion years old. Constituted in such fashion, India lies to the north of the equator between six degrees and four... Don't know how to read that longitude and latitude. Um, okay, according to the Indian Naval Hydrographic Charts, the mainland coastline consists of the following 43% sandy beaches, 11% rocky shores including cliffs, and 46% mudflats or marshy shores. I think there's a cat trapped in the bedroom. One moment. Okay. Uh, where was I? Uh, the Indian climate is strongly influenced by the Himalayas and the Thar Desert, both of which drive the economically and culturally pivotal summer and winter monsoons. The Himalayas prevent cold Central Asian catabatic winds. blowing in, keeping the bulk of the Indian subcontinent warmer than most locations at similar latitudes. The Thar Desert plays a crucial role in attracting the uh, moisture-laden southwest summer monsoon winds that, between June and October, provide the majority of India's rainfall. Four major climatic groupings predominate in India. Tropical wet, tropical dry, subtropical humid, and montane. okay. biodiversity. not all uh, countries wikipedias have a biodiversity section, but it's my favorite section, so i'm always happy when it is here. india is another mega-diverse country. um a term employed for seventeen countries which display high biological diversity and contain many species exclusively indigenous or endemic to them. We already know that. Um, India is a habitat for 8.6% of all mammal species, 13.7% of bird species, 7.9% of reptile species, 6% of amphibian species, 12. 12.2% of fish species and six, uh, 6% of all flowering plant species. Fully a third of Indian plant species are endemic. Wow, that's cool. India also contains four of the world's 34 biodiversity hotspots or regions that display significant habitat loss in the presence of high endemism. That isn't- I don't really know what that means, significant habitat loss in the presence of high endemism. Because one of those seems good and one of them seems bad, which is an oversimplification, I'm sure. Um, So I'll just chalk it up to my ignorance. India's forest cover is 99,278 kilometers squared, or or square kilometers, um, which is 21.67% of the country's total land area. It can be subdivided further into broad categories of canopy density, or the proportion of the area of a forest covered by its tree canopy. interesting. I didn't know that they measured that in any way, but interesting. Very dense forest, whose canopy density is greater than 70% occupies 3.02% of India's land area. It predominates in the tropical, moist forest of the uh, Andaman Islands, the western Ghats, and northeast India. Moderately dense forest, whose whose canopy density is between 40% and 70%, occupies 9.3, uh, 9.39% of India's land area. It predominates in the temperate uh, coniferous forest of the Himalayas, the most uh, deciduous south forest of eastern India, and the dry deciduous teak forest of central and southern India. Open forest, whose canopy density is between 10% and 40%, occupies 9.26% uh, of India's land area and predominates in the uh, babool-dominated thorn forest of the central Deccan Plateau and the western uh, Gangetic Plain. Among India's uh, among the Indian subcontinents, noble, uh, notable indigenous trees are the astringent Azadiracta indica, or neem, which is widely used in rural Indian herbal medicine, and the luxuriant Fiscus religiosa, or pipu, which is displayed on the ancient seals of Mohenjo, or Mohenjo, Oh, Hanjo-Daro, and under which the Buddha is recorded in the Pali Canon to have sought enlightenment. Oh, that's pretty neat. Many Indian species have descended from those of uh, Gondwana, the southern subcontinent, oh, supercontinent, sorry, from which India separated more than a hundred million years ago. India's subsequent collision with Eurasia set off a mass exchange of species. However, volcanism and clim- uh, climatic changes later caused the extinction of many endemic Indian forms. Still later, mammals entered India from Asia through two zoogeographical passes flanking the Himalayas. This had the effect of lowering endemism among India's mammals, which stands at 12.6%, contrasting with 45.8% among reptiles, and 55.8% among amphibians. Notable endemic, endemics are the vulnerable hooded leaf monkey and the bedom's, bedoms toad of the western ghats. So I guess endemism isn't an inherently good thing, it's just a cool thing in my opinion um or not in my opinion, but it strikes me as um remarkable or interesting see, um these narratives of good and bad are what I'm trying to get away from by creating a podcast about how nothing matters, but um they continue to kind of draw me back in. It's, uh, something that's very, very, um, ingrained in our culture. So I try not to my, to, uh, judge myself for it. And I totally just lost my place here. Um. The system of national parks and protected areas first established in 1935 was expanded substantially. In 1972, India enacted the Wildlife Protection Act and Project Tiger to safeguard crucial wilderness. The Forest Conservation Act was enacted in 1980 and amendments added in 1988. India hosts more than 500 wildlife sanctuaries wow that's wow that's a lot and 13 biosphere reserves four of which are part of the world network of biosphere reserves 25 wetlands are registered under the Ramsar convention and I think that's about it for India in terms of the sections that I normally look at. Um, Let's see... So... I, um... So we now have four silk moths that have hatched in our, um, little... little habitat there. And two of them appear to have, well, it's really hard to tell. It's actually kind of confusing. They looked like maybe they were having an encounter, an intimate encounter. Um, And then there's what appears to be eggs on one of the, um, on that same part of um, one of the drink trays where they were appearing to, um, become intimate with one another <laughs> um, I'm gonna look up what silk moth eggs look like because my husband was saying that they looked like they weren't fertilized but if there was two of the silk moths you'd think that like and they, if they actually were um, um, if they were actually were um, doing what we thought they were doing then you'd think that they would be fertilized Unless silk moths, um, are, unless silk moths, um, experience same-sex attraction. But one of the silk moths seemed a lot larger than the other, and I feel like that would be, um, that that would indicate that one of them was female and one of them was male. Because all the other silk, silk moths were the size of the smaller one. Um, so, yeah, I'm seeing some eggs that look like the ones that, um, that are there, and then others that look different. Um, uh, let's see, um, how to write silkworms eggs, life cycle, life cycle of a silkworm. Um so okay so that's silkworm moth reproduction copulation between silkworm moths lasts for several hours that explains why they were added for so long um yeah i'm not finding anything here about and it just shows what the the eggs look like and they, they look like the ones that are in there but um uh, it's not saying like these are fertilized eggs or these are not fertilized eggs. So I think we'll just do what we did with the question of flying and we'll just wait and see what happens to the eggs. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I suppose we could do, we could double up on countries like we did in the last episode. Um, the next country is Denmark, which is one of my favorite countries, and I have not seriously considered moving there, because, like, I, I can't logistically, but um, I, I, if I had to choose a random country, like, not random, obviously, but if someone said, like, you could move to any country, what, where do you want to move? It would probably either be Japan or Denmark. Um, so it's officially called the Kingdom of Denmark. And it's a Nordic country in Northern Europe. Um, Denmark proper, which is the southernmost of the Scandinavian countries, consists of a peninsula, Jutland, and the archipelago of 40, 443 named islands. Wow, that's a whole lot of islands. With the largest being Zealand. Is that where New Zealand comes from? Um, Funen, and North Jutlandic Islands are characterized by flat arable land and sandy coasts, low elevation and temperate climate. Denmark lies southwest of Sweden and north uh, or south of Norway and is bordered to the south by Germany. The Kingdom of Denmark is constitutionally a unitary state comprised comprising Denmark proper and the two autonomous territories in the North Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> The Faroe Islands and Greenland. And all kinds of information here about statistics and population. Geography, that we just read up top, they just repeated it down here, um, it's, I think maybe the exact same paragraph, um, Copenhagen, okay, Lake, okay, this has a character that we don't have in English, so I'm not sure how to pronounce it um it's like an o with a line through it uh lake areso or arrest however you pronounce that letter uh northwest of copenhagen is the largest lake the size of the land area cannot be stated exactly since the ocean constantly erodes and adds material to the coastline and because of human land reclamation projects to counter erosion okay so it's kind of like always Shrinking and growing and shrinking and growing is kind of what I'm getting from that um, Okay There's a lot of numbers here of longitudes and latitudes and I don't know how to read them and Um, excuse me, they break up the sentence quite a bit, so, um, yeah, let's just go to a part with less numbers. Can you tell I was not very good in math class? Uh, the country is flat with little elevation, having an average height above sea level of 31 meters. The highest natural point is now this word has two of those O things so I don't have any idea but um, if, if I pronounce that letter like an O then it's Hoj um, at um, 170.86 meters although this is by far the lowest high point in the Nordic countries and is also less than half of the highest point in southern Sweden Denmark's general elevation and its interior is generally at a safe level from rising sea levels. That's good news. A sizable portion of Denmark's terrain consists of rolling plains, whilst the coastline is sandy with large dunes in northern Jutland. Although once extensively forested, today Denmark largely consists of arable land. It is drained by a uh, dozen or so rivers, and the most significant include the Gudina, with- that's not how you pronounce it because there's another character I'm not familiar with Odens, Skjern, Susa, and Veda, and those last two also have characters I'm not familiar with so I probably pronounced those wrong as well a river that flows along its southern border with Germany Um, the Kingdom of Denmark includes two overseas territories, both well to the west of Denmark. Greenland, the world's largest island, and the Faroe Islands in the North Atlantic Ocean. Okay, so Greenland is part of Denmark, then like, politically, I guess. Like, people consider it part of Denmark, even though it's not physically part of physical Denmark. Um... These territories are self-governing and from form part of the Danish realm. Okay, the Danish realm sounds um fairy tale like. Uh, Denmark has a temperate climate characterized by mild winters with mean temperatures in January of 1.6 degrees Celsius. Oh, okay, and cool summers with a mean temperature in August of 17.2 uh, percent. 2- degrees celsius oh that's not too bad the most extreme temperatures recorded (sighs) excuse me the most extreme temperatures recorded in denmark um, since 1874 when recordings began was 36.4 degrees celsius in 1975 and negative 31.2 degrees celsius in 1982 Denmark has an average of 179 days per year with precipitation, uh, on average receiving a total of 765 millimeters per year. Autumn is the wettest season and spring the driest. Oh, that's interesting. I I think supposedly that's different than in North America. Um, Although I I was never sure if it actually rained more in spring or if. The representations of spring were just- they just included rain because spring didn't have, like, its own thing. Like, fall has the leaves, summer has, like, the sun and how hot it is. And, um, winter has the snow, but, like, spring had to have a thing. <laughs> um. Okay. <sighs> oh, excuse me. Looks like my cat is going to settle down on my lap. So you might hear her purring. Because of Denmark's northern location, there are large seasonal variations in daylight. There are short days during the winter, with sunrise coming around uh, 8.45am and sunset um, at 3.45pm. Wow. Um, as well as long summer days with sunrise at 4:30 a.m. and sunset at 10 p.m. Wow. Okay, ecology. Denmark belongs to the boreal kingdom. And P can be subdivided. I just love. I love the term boreal kingdom. It just like makes me. I don't know. It just it sounds more epic than I guess it actually is. Although you know what? No, I choose to think of it as just as epic as it sounds because I do enjoy the Boreal Forest quite a bit and find it really beautiful and um yeah anyway I am glad that the Boreal Kingdom exists and that my country is a part of it uh Denmark belongs to the Boreal Kingdom and can be subdivided (sighs) I can't stop yawning Subdivided so into two ecoregions, the Atlantic mixed forests and Baltic mixed forests. Uh, almost all of Denmark's primeval temperate forests have been destroyed or fragmented, um, chiefly for agricultural purposes during the last millennia. Damn it, agriculture! Hopefully, it was worth it. Okay, in spite of this, there are several larger second growth woodlands in the country, and in total, 12.9% of the land is now forested. Norway spruce is the most widespread tree, an important tree in the Christmas tree production. Uh, Denmark holds a Forest Landscape Integrity Index, mean score of 0.5 out of 10, ranking it 171st globally out of 172 countries only san marino okay i guess um they need to get on that 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 might um make me want to move to denmark a little bit less i'm not gonna lie because i'm a big tree person i love i love my trees roe deer occupy the countryside in growing numbers and large anthered red deer can be found in the sparse woodlands of jutland Denmark also is also home to smaller mammals, such as polecats, hares, and hedgehogs. Approximately 400 bird species inhabit Denmark, and about 160 of those breed in the country. Large marine mammals include healthy populations of harbour porpoise, growing numbers of uh, pinnipeds, and occasional visits of large whales, including blue whales and orcas. Cod, herring, and plaice or, yeah, that's all. the only way I can think of to pronounce it, are abundant culinary fish in Danish waters and form the basis of a large fishing industry. Environment. 2020, Denmark was placed first in the Environmental Performance Index. Oh, okay. Um, Denmark has stopped issuing new licenses for oil and gas extraction in December 2020 that's really cool so despite all the deforestation which that can be reversed a lot more easily I think than any than some other damage that can be done to the environment Um, although you know the habitats in any case in spite of the deforestation and all that um, Denmark looks like it's doing pretty good in terms of its environmentalism, at least compared to other countries which may not be a very high standard. However, nonetheless. Um, here comes another <sighs> one. Land and water pollution are two of Denmark's most significant environmental issues although much of the country's household and industrial waste is now increasingly filtered and sometimes recycled. Okay, so they're working on that. They're working on it. Um, the country has historically taken a progressive stance on environmental preservation. In 1971, Denmark established a Ministry of Environment and was the first country in the world to implement an environmental law in 1973. To mid- To mitigate environmental degradation and global uh, warming, Uh, the Danish government has signed the Climate Change Kyoto Protocol. problems but it looks like they're very much putting in the work to address these issues and I think that is very admirable. There's a picture here of the European Environment Agency in Copenhagen and it's pretty cool because what how what have they done here? So there's I see grates on the outside of the building, on the facade of the building. There's look like metal grates and it looks like they have installed in the metal grates like places for plants to grow so at first when i first looked at the picture i thought it was just like a moss covered building but when i paid attention i realized no like these i mean some of them may be mosses but some of them are definitely not And they're planted on the facade of the building so basically they're growing uh horizontally um up the facade of the building where they've been planted um and that is extremely cool Um, wouldn't it be cool if all buildings had that that would be like so cool i guess like Um, there used to be, I saw like a heritage minute in Canada, we have those heritage minutes. There was one about the Vikings, and the Viking settlements had like grass growing all over them, but maybe that grass wasn't there initially, maybe that grew since, but in any case, it would be really cool to have buildings all covered with, um, greenery of sorts um, uh, let's see so, yeah so that's Denmark and next we'll probably do, depending on the numbers, how the numbers are next time um, I look and do a, a, a country episode, next uh, episode will probably be on his Estonia, uh, Estonia um which I think is just a cool name for a country so, um that should be... I don't know much about it, uh, Estonia at all, so it would be cool to learn about that. Um, I'm going to paint my nails tonight. Uh, I mentioned before that I bought some new nail polish and put it in the fridge um, to hopefully make the application a little bit smoother, and um, that way when I work my I work um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and hopefully, getting to look down at my nice, pretty nails will help me get through the weekend. Um, yeah, uh, so hopefully they turn out well. Uh, the good thing about the glittery nail polish is that if you have smudges or dents or whatever in your nail in your nails, uh, polish coat. It doesn't really show up as easily because it's kind of camouflaged by the uh, glitter. Um, I'm always a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my nails when I do them, and maybe that's why I haven't done them very much in recent years, because um, it's a lot of uh, work. Kind of, I kind of sweat over them a little bit, trying to make them kind of perfect. And I've actually never... Oh no, I have gotten a professional manicure, um, for my wedding I I had a professional manicure. It was just regular nail polish though. I would love to get, um, I would love to get gel nails sometime. They look really, really nice. Um, yeah. And I have some poutine in the fridge that I'm going to eat. A little bit of um, maybe not all of it we'll see I might save the rest for tomorrow I work tomorrow night um, because tonight is Friday night so tomorrow is Saturday no that's wrong tonight is Thursday night no that's wrong too I'm confused now it's confusing because I start work at 12:30. So I technically start work in the morning. Um, And so it's listed as being in the morning. And sometimes that can be confusing. Um, It's very confusing because I thought today was Thursday. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, no, today is Thursday night. Tomorrow is Friday morning. I did work, technically I did work today, because I worked 12.30, well I guess it's not today, no I didn't work today, because it's 3.15am now, I worked the day that this is the night of, um, starting at 12.30am, so technically not today. Um, technically it's now tomorrow, and once it's tomorrow, tomorrow is today, so it's still today, it's always today. Um, so right, right now at this moment, it is Friday, technically Friday morning at 3.15am. Um, and so I will be working, you could say I will be working tonight, however I will technically be working tomorrow morning. Um, which is technically Saturday morning uh, from 12.30 till 7 a.m., then again on Sunday, and then again on Monday. Um, yes, that is, that is it. That is right. That is correct. Um, yeah. And what else am I going to do before... I decided to start showering in the mornings, um, before I go to sleep when I'm, um, nocturnal. And I'm going to, I think, do that at 5 or 5.30 because I was going to do it at 6am last time I showered. And then, um, my son woke up at like 10 to 6, which is really early, um, and... I had to get my husband to watch him while I took a shower, which wasn't ideal because he had to get ready for work. So um, I will try and take one at 5 or 5.30 this morning and see how that works out. Um, I've been finding it very nice to, to go to bed freshly showered in the morning, and for some reason I didn't like feel that same way when I would shower at night and then go to bed at night. It didn't like feel... I think because there's, like, a freshness that comes with showering in the morning and then going to bed after that, um, is relaxing. It's, like, it's, like, extra relaxing because, like, when you shower in the morning, it's, like, very refreshing and, like, it's, like, um, you kind of just, like, feel like you're starting fresh and then if you get, and then instead of starting your day, um, which is fine. That's fine to start your day that way, and a good way to start your day. But if you happen to be going to sleep, it's it's also a nice way to go to sleep. Um, yeah, it feels good uh, after showering, and I just um, get tucked into bed there. And I usually edit this podcast if I if I have a podcast to edit, I I edit it, and or I should say I, I, I mark it up, more like I, I, I put bookmarks where I want to edit, and then when I wake up I, um, I do the actual editing, because that doesn't take as much uh, time, that's a lot simpler. Um, it can be tedious, but um, it's just like, I just, since I've already placed the bookmarks, I just take out the parts that I've bookmarked, and then run it through a couple of... Um, things in my audio editor and then publish it or put it up to be published at a specific specific time. Um, it's so strange that I'm sleepy already. It's only 3.20. Um, anyway, please do share any feedback or suggestions, um, that you have for me, um, either via Instagram, um, at NRMPodcast or via email at NRMPodcast at gmail.com. Anything, like, basically I want to hear anything you have to say. If you listen to this podcast, I want to hear what you have to say. I would ultimately like this podcast to be something that makes people feel less alone in the world, um, comforted, uh, more relaxed, perhaps cheerfully nihilistic in a way so um yep that's gonna be it from me for tonight um i hope you have a lovely restful cozy sleep good night